0: Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate 5 stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. My name is Chris Little. I am the host, and I actually had some technical difficulties, so I'm going to give full disclosure here. We were streaming, and then it dropped, and then we started it up again, so we've already done kind of the episode, so I'm running Tim through all of this stuff again, so if it sounds a bit repetitive, this is me learning as a host, learning the tech. Um, We've had our icebreakers. We're, We're comfy now. So with that being said, I'm going to give Tim the opportunity to introduce himself to you in in how he would to a stranger because not everybody's going to be familiar with him so with that being said take it away
1: Right. hi everybody my name is tim adams and i use the gender pronouns he him i'm the founder and executive director of an organization called free play that you see on my shirt um many people know the name free footy that's how we started with one sport and now we've branched out to four main sports but sport isn't what we do what we really try to do is create safe spaces for kids to belong in and help them with their social, emotional, mental health. And primarily, we focus on helping marginalized and vulnerable youth to ensure they have access to what I just mentioned, as well as just great role models, great leaders, and uh, great friendships. And that's the whole essence of Free Play. Um, Prior to this, I was a journalist at CBC for a really, really long time. Um, On the morning show, I was the city hall reporter for a long time. Uh, I got to be a fitness tester for a while, which was a random weird part of my life, but um, how I got to know Chris a little bit. So yeah, here I am today running a charity and just trying to make the world a better place every day.
0: And the cool thing is that I kind of got to know you a bit as we sort of like went through the the stumbling blocks of this episode and it's it's a learning experience for me, but I digress. Um, Something that stood out to me about you was how you attribute activities to mental health, um, being able to really like bring that out of sport and uh, add in like the, the whole holistic experience to like a, a kid's adolescence um, and being able to choose um, opportunities to to build leaders, like uh, not just athletes, but people who can uh, have confidence and resilience in life and uh, be able to connect with with like-minded people. When it first came to starting uh, free play for kids, like what was it that initially like inspired you that you needed to be the one that uh, was was founder of that?
1: Uh, I I, I, well, look at me. I'm a six two, hundred ninety pound white white guy, so I am like the definition of privilege. Come from a middle income loving family, but I had not the greatest childhood in terms of um, academic performance and, you know, being on the straight and narrow and not getting myself in lots of trouble and sport and recreation and the friendships and uh, role models that I met through that opportunity is what I would say has me sitting here today. Without those things, I would, good chance I would be in jail or be dead. And I don't mean that as a cliche, I mean that as true. And so I, when I moved to Edmonton and I came here to you know, and dig my roots into a new place because I came here from Ontario, um, I really wanted to give back the gifts that I got. But I didn't want to just give it back to anyone. I wanted to give it back to folks who, who could really need some extra help. Um, again, recognizing that my space on the starting line is a lot further ahead than a lot of other people. And what can I do to try and even get that starting line to be closer take uh, probably my lifetime to, to get us on the same starting spot based on what I look like and the access to things that I've had and um, but I'm willing to put that commitment in and that's where this came from is wanting just seeing how simple it could be to put a ball at um, some kids feet who don't have the opportunity to have a ball at their feet and then really thinking about all the barriers that come with participating in something and Everyone always thinks it's the the money and the fees and the equipment, but it's actually a, um, the biggest barrier is typically the transportation piece, because if you have a bag of hockey gear and the fees are paid for, like, so what if you can't get to the rink because your mom is working double shift or you don't own a car uh, or you're new to the city and you don't understand the transportation system and it's all in English and you don't speak English yet? So there's just so many layers of, of barriers and privilege, and I've just um, wanted to commit my life, I guess, to to trying to shed those barriers and um, make sure that things are actually accessible and actually inclusive and actually have equity and actually have diversity built into them rather than the systems, quite frankly, we have in place. Because I would say there aren't many that check those boxes yet. And it's gonna take a long time and it needs a few of us to stand up and not be afraid to rattle the chains and, you know, annoy some people, which I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> but I'm okay with that because that's the role of being an advocate. Yeah, I, It was my long answer, I guess.
0: <laughs> you brought up a lot of really important points. And you kind of got me thinking, like, in leading up to this interview, I wanted to sort of, like, do some dig and do some search and figure out about who you are maybe like what the last few years have been. And I came across a Twitter post and it was kind of announcing when you were going to be doing full time with Free Footy and you weren't gonna be working with C B C in the same capacity. Um, and like you talk about how how you had quite a a career as a reporter, so that would have been like part of your identity and then you're going into the free footy what were your emotions in like taking that big leap to say no like this isn't just like something I do with all my extra energy this is what I'm going to do with all of my energy now like what was that like for you
1: terrifying <laughs> it was really terrifying I mean it, it was mostly terrifying at the beginning because as much as like CBC is not a government job and not saying that by any stretch, of the, the government has no influence on what journalists say there. That's not what I'm saying. It is a government job. You get a government paycheck with a pension with benefits. You have, I have kids, like I know that these things will be covered and I have an income coming in and we'll be okay, right? To to take the massive leap to the space of like, oof, I don't know, like will there be the money to pay my salary and like keep me alive? <laughs> I don't know. Are there benefits? No, I'll have to figure out how to create them. Is there a pension plan? Hell no. So like those were the, the biggest actual barriers at the beginning. It wasn't the calling or the mission or the vision or the values like that stuff. I had no question that I wanted to do. It was the technical stuff that was the hardest to, to take a big leap on. And then the, the timing of it, and I haven't talked a lot about this, so I, I'll probably touch it a bit, but you'll probably want to know more, but the timing of it, it was good timing for me too, personally, I was going through a lot of personal change and development in my life. And uh, frankly, CBC wasn't there to support me. They couldn't do it. And I was really frustrated and I had put 15 years into that place and my mental health was not good, which stemmed a lot from being having to wake up at three in the morning to do a job for them. And me saying quite often that like, hey, I can't do this anymore. It's not I'm falling asleep at red lights. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah all kinds of other challenges. And I just didn't get the support that I needed. And I was like, nah, the timing of this is just too perfect. Like I can't condone this style of workplace. Um, I need change and I want to change it to make it match what I think is the right way to treat people. So it kind of all worked out that way. It was the extra push of saying, "And like I've been pretty loyal to this place and they're not loyal to me and that's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's relatable for, for a lot of people. I mean, uh, a lot of us have that extra push that causes us to, to hop into a new space and take some risks on ourselves. And when it comes down to like your mental health, your well-being, the sustainability of like being happy and being able to be a, a full bucket, like yep. you, there's that cliche quote that goes around where it's like, uh, if you died today, you're employment would replace you tomorrow kind of thing like it's kind of misquoted but it's just like that's that's a general point and like sometimes we need like that bucket of water like slosh into our face to be like look like it might be risky you might not have that safety net that you want but like you're gonna make it you're gonna be okay um the, there are some uh pretty impeccable leaders that have come from your system as athletes like from all of the the opportunities that they've had to play sports um do any kind of come to mind like any of the the young athletes that have played free footy or any of the sports that you've provided
1: uh it's a tough question because like the early days of free footy was like you know six weeks of kicking a ball around and like having fun together and there's so many other people who are involved in the lives uh, of, of kids so i don't want to make it sound like i'm taking credit for for people's success in any way um i think you know give it three to five years from now of how our new model has changed so our new model has changed in that we now with covid we recognize that it's not enough for a kid to come a day or two a week when they don't have a safe space to be in potentially you have to create it every day, so we flipped our whole model around during COVID, <laughs> which is nuts, um, to be daily after-school childcare now. So we do all the sports stuff, and of course, but also just recognizing that families, especially vulnerable and marginalized ones, um, need free childcare. So we flipped it over to have provide free daily childcare now, plus layering on all the sports stuff. So they're combined, it's taking childcare and sport, and racking went like that. So I think, you know, if we can manage to do that, I'll be much more comfortable in five years to like talk about some of the success stories of the program. Um, the other ones prior to this, I feel like we're just such a small player in their life. Like we're there and we, yes, we did things and we helped, but such a small player. The success stories for me are more the kids who I'm still in contact with, who've gone on and got a college degree and started a family um, and they're happy and they're healthy. Like for me that that's the most important part and i it it's easy to go to these shiny star moments it's like because it's fun, but at the same side, it's a massive distraction from what we actually do like we don't we're not here to produce prode- professional athletes like we're here to produce good people yeah and good years and um, make sure that they're healthy and happy and that has a larger impact on ninety nine point nine percent of the population. So yeah, I know it's sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent there, but I I don't I don't have a name that I would say, yeah, this kid. I, no I worries.
0: Know. Like yeah. I think in a way that answer indicates like your vision for the whole like journey of it all. I mean, it indicates that there's a much bigger picture and it's like it involves so much more than just one action or one coach or one year like it is a legacy of sorts and like with all the risk that you talked about like the whole like okay got a family got all these things got uh, my own health kind of thing when you put that into the equation you almost want it to be something that's like lasting and momentous and something that can really pick up steam and something that doesn't just mean something today but means something like five years from now um with that being said what has been something inspiring that you have witnessed in one of your coaches? Like just like a kind of a moment that kind of stood out to you in which you were like, yeah, they get it kind of thing.
1: Uh Yeah, there there's hundreds of those. Um I'm trying to narrow it into one great moment, but um like I see them see them daily, frankly, you know. Uh The other day Good example would be one of the kids um, uh, telling one of our coaches that uh, she's gay and um, our coach is also gay and they just had the opportunity to talk to someone about it because they could because we're not afraid to talk about these things and no one should be afraid to talk about them if you're truly providing a safe space. So that meant um, she got a little bit of comfort of knowing someone else in the room is like her and she has someone to talk to. So there's an example. Um, the other day, we had a parent, a guardian, text, uh, we send the kids home with uh, food and re- uh, basic recipes. And uh, one of our coaches, her name's Diana, runs a foods class where we teach the kids of how to make their own breakfast and lunch for the week. And a uh, parent texted in a complete um, cheesy tortilla sandwich that um, she this kid went and made at home and made for her mom. Like, oh, that's mind-blowing. Like, that is a massive impact. Um, Another one, like, we have our coaches and youth leaders have helped some kids in some pretty traumatic situations, too. If, you know, they disclose being sexually abused at home or physically abused. Um, they have older kids in the program in junior high and high school who are, you know, now exploring partnerships and got themselves into violent partnerships and you know we've helped steer them out of it so it's it's so much more than the wow we taught a kid how to kick a ball great (laughs) but we're actually like making true relationships with the kids um and that just speaks volumes about the quality of coaching and youth leading we have and uh hopefully you can see from going through the website again i'm not the best representation of it but cruise through the website and see the diversity of room um from backgrounds and gender and um educational experience so wide it just i haven't seen anything like that before and then the fact that it's also like a multi multi multi-sport organization i don't think there's many that i'm aware of either that built out like that so yeah just so many opportunities for wins that uh yeah i could go on for for days about wins of the coaches, just because they're such good people who truly care about the kids and the families. And you know, we went through a hard call last week with all the restrictions and changes. And we serve in a bit of a different space than like a sports group because we're not sports; we're childcare and social service for vulnerable people. So um, the government, we've worked uh, really well with the government. I really appreciate how hard they've worked to help us actually in staying open. Um, so we've been open this whole COVID period for in-person programming, because you can't tell someone to go to a safe home if they don't have a safe home. You can't say go home. If you can't go home, there yeah. has to be exceptions for people. And so the government's helped with that. And so we, you know, this latest round of restrictions, again, had to get on with all staff and say, Hey, here's the battle plan. But again, I want you to recognize that there's no one pressuring you to do this. If you don't feel comfortable and are not safe, um, you know, please like take a healthy pause and take a break and we completely respect that and not one person blinked didn't even blink but just no like i'm here for the kids i'm here for the families and um you're providing us what we need to be safe and if i ever didn't feel safe i would tell you and you wouldn't judge me for for taking a pause which i i wouldn't which is fantastic and i, I hope that's the kind of workplace other people get to experience because that's what leads to those Uh, where your question started, that's where it leads to those wins.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there, there's so much to take from that. There's, there is that representation of diversity, which I can confirm. Like I have watched like the social media I've watched and seen the website. I'm like, yeah, like every kid that comes to anything that you guys provide is going to see like a version of them within your coaching team, which is magical. That that's kind of something that, uh, yeah, like there, there's going to be times when, when kids are looking for that older version of them and like they're trying to wonder, trying to figure out why they're not seeing them. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm kind of similar in the sense that I'm like a like a white guy, like everybody's got a person who looks like me kind of thing. And it's like it doesn't make any difference if if I'm there, but if there's somebody that's like LGBTQ two plus and they're kicking the soccer ball. And they're saying, like, this is how I go through my day and this is my favorite meal. That's, like, deeply impactful. Like, that that is creating an opportunity for someone to be like, I can do that, too. When, if I said it, it would kind of, it wouldn't mean the same. Because, like, 20 other dudes in town are, are saying the exact same thing and looking just like me kind of thing. Um, but uh, to bring us back on course, uh, some really important things that stood out to me about what you were talking about. Um, It kind of comes down to that communication of like the the coaches with kids and um, being able to actually communicate in ways where it's like you're both listening and leading. Um, If you were to put on like a TED talk on communication and like how to really like lean into that skill, because it's kind of something that must be practiced. uh, What would what would it uh, be? Like, what would your advice be?
1: Oof. Ah hire people that are smarter than you at it. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't know if I'm the greatest communicator, honestly. Uh, I think communication is something that we all have to work on every single day and practice really hard at it. In um, that communication is, is so much more important than many of the other muscles you can build. Um, being able to take your ideas and Uh, synthesize them and then get them out articulately is a massive skill and then also to be able to do it in a way that doesn't make other people feel like shit like that's also part of the problem is I'm right you're wrong and like okay (laughs) can we maybe not see how like there is some space for everyone probably to be right and everyone probably to be wrong and um, you know access to information and privileges is huge we are so privileged to just be here and sitting and having this talk. Like there are not a lot of people who can do this. And then there are not a lot of people who can make the time to sit and listen. So, yeah, I I don't know if I have a great tip on the communication piece. I think it's, I think I'm to be arrogant. I think I'm good at it doing it through um, when I have time to put it into writing. And I would argue that's probably why our organization has been somewhat successful because i had the journalism training to look at the big picture and then um, shrink it down but that doesn't mean i'm good at communicating like my emotions and feelings with people and you know when i'm angry cooling down um so i uh, yeah i don't think i have the greatest advice there but but i can say what we do for the little people is we use very heavy research driven methods to come up with our practice plans on social emotional learning. And then that's infused as I mentioned in every single practice. So uh, why I talked about cooling down when you're angry is it's one of the things we do with the kids. It's a a topic for a whole week. And every day there's these touch points on this topic because we're putting in the reps. You got to put in the reps, right? Like everything's about putting in the reps and communication is the same. So I don't know if I could do a Ted talk on it. Honestly, I. I could bullshit my way through it, I guess, but I don't know if I would be very helpful to anyone other than to say, if you have a vision, you have a passion, take the time to share it with people and don't be scared to amend what you said. Like it's not going to land, but you know, you can tell when it's landing, learn to read when it's landing and that will help you shape your message. But those other interpersonal skills and communication with Um, friends and employees and spouses and partners and that's a whole other level that i'm i don't think i could do a good job on so i'll I'll leave that one
0: well i mean even just to like take a step back and kind of think about it all um when we hear someone say that something that sounds so perfect do we really have any takeaways from it versus when we hear someone that says something that is honest and derived from life experience that gives us some more like takeaways that gives us the ability to to learn and to grow because like that is just nobody has all the answers nobody's an expert we're all work in progress we're all getting better and like the difference maker is that whole putting in the reps like when somebody has repeated that process over and over, they're willing to fall down. They're willing to miss the net. Like there's so many different like metaphors we could use from sport, but it's just like the willingness to put in that effort to move forward is, is a game changer. And in the context of communication, the willingness to have those conversations rather than repeating what we've said, like as a coach, I could take it in the context that I could take an experience that I've had with one client and transpose it to another client, or I could take each experience individually and start fresh, open mind, uh, clean slate. We're learning about somebody new today. We don't like you identified your pronouns at the beginning of this episode. That was very valuable. Um, clean slate, fresh impression. It gives people that experience, that opportunity to, uh, understand who you are and how you show up in this world. Whereas if people had otherwise assumed they might've missed out on something. And that's the same thing as it's going to be for these kids is like coaches meeting these kids and getting to understand like, how, how do they take up space in this world and what are their experiences? And like, what is their favorite part about the sport? Not just the sport itself, but like the, if different people like soccer for different reasons, different people like hockey for different reasons. And you'd be surprised if you ask for them. And then if you don't, you'll never know. And so I definitely got a lot out of your answer. And then I just turned it in a total tangent and tossed <laughs> it back at you.
1: No, 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 it's no, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. The, the. to me, the reps is, is really is everything. Like when you, if you put in the work, like you have to think about it in the same way that of anything else. You you just have to put in the reps. You have to do the work. And then you have to be willing to sit back and look at your work and ch- and have it either challenge it yourself or have people challenge you from all different angles on your body of work, I guess.
0: So and you- that's
1: probably one of the things people hate the most about me, actually, <laughs> is when working with me, is that I change all the time. Like, all the time. One day it's this way, next day it's that way. And it's like this. Cause like I, I, I'm learning as a leader, that's not the best way to lead sometimes because people, it stresses people out. But for me, that's, that's how I like, I hear someone and I try to try to really hear them enough that I'm willing to change my behavior because I heard you so loud. And, and I, I tried to, to have the organization reflect that, that we hear you. And we, we hear you so much that we're going to try and change it as soon as we can. And we'll make it bumpy, but it, I do think it always changes for the better. It always gets a little bit better. Um, there's risk, as I said, in doing that, because it can put people through stress when they don't have consistency of routine, for sure. Um, but I I think as the more people spend time around me, they're starting to get that piece of like, look, like if we know there's something we have to do. We can't just sit around and wait for it to happen. we got to make it happen. we got to get shit done. Like, it's this is important. If someone's given us feedback that requires us to change, we have to do it. You can't just ex- ex- say that, like, oh, they didn't fit into our culture. Like, no, that's not, that's not a thing. Everyone should fit into the culture. So there's something fundamentally wrong with what we are doing as an organization or I'm doing as a leader and we have to change it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it reminds me of the whole concept of community, in, in which, like, I can say for a fact that Free Play for Kids is a great representation of community because essentially I can look out my window and I can see, like, basically one of my neighbors in, in your event. I can go down to another neighborhood and I can see any of those neighborhoods at that event. There's, there's nobody, nobody wouldn't be able to see someone that looks like them or acts like them or talks like them or walks like them. And it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about the whole like changing and switching and all that stuff and, and having to sort of almost pivot or, or hear the feedback and stuff. And it kind of makes me think about that whole transportation piece. Cause that's something that really stood out to me. Like just the fact that you guys are able to integrate the transportation piece into all of this care. Like where did that stem from? How did it, how did it become a feasible thing for, for you guys?
1: Uh, I guess it came from two places, but it came from the starting point of like, when I just started as a coach and was coaching a team and then coaching a little guys and girls team. And then eventually coaching pretty much the entire school. I started taking kids to go and play like club soccer. Um, and so I'd have to drive them at the time. I had an old red Ford tours and we'd pack it with eight kids and drive to these tryouts and stuff. And they, all the kids were mind bogglingly good. Of course they would show up in a pair of high tops and cut off jeans and just destroy everybody. <laughs> and the coach would be like, yeah, I want, I want you on my team. Great, cool. So then it turned to, well, how do we get you here? Like, I, I'll, I'll try to drive you and I, you know, drive and drive and drive and drive and eventually coach would take it over and they would drive and drive and drive and they would drive f- forever for the A plus player because they want to win. But if you were like the B player or like, you know, the the person who gets called off on the bench for 15 minutes of the game and they're kind of hard to deal with, it was like, okay, well, you take the bus today. Well, the game is on a bus is two and a half hours of bus ride, like city transportation. And they would do it and then they would do it and they would do it. And then eventually they just couldn't do it um so I watched that like in real time like oh this is not okay and then so that was one layer and then the second layer was actually actually diving into the research and really diving in on the research of where the true barriers lie and it really did make sense to me of if you don't have a car or you don't have a guardian who can drive you how do you do any of these things it's impossible and it's 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 also layered in complication by time of day because you could say, okay, well then let's just do it in the neighborhood in the evening. Well, close, but still I would argue not quite close enough because as soon as the child leaves school, many other responsibilities can kick in at home, good and bad. And so I always advocate for it should be right after school at the school site as much as humanly possible. Um, but accessing school buildings is actually is actually extremely difficult. Very, very difficult. Joint use of space is a huge conversation we have to be having. but So that's where this busing piece came in, is, okay, we know that the best time of day for the kids to participate is after school. Again, all the research will tell you that. The most critical time of the day for a child is after school, because who's looking after them? No one. Um, we can't do it at the school site, so we need to get them somewhere. And we know they don't have those means to do that, so we need a bus. And so the bus has just become this um, symptom of what we do forever, I think, we're for a very long time until we can get these joint use agreements flipped over at school sites and other city facilities to to be a bit more open. So yeah, we, we bust them, and I, I used to really hate the bus. I really hated the bus because it costs so much money. It's $190 a pop. Um, but <laughs> the beauty of it is it's a physical marker of, okay, the bus is here. The program is on. Get on the bus. Come to the program. Don't go to the mall and be an idiot with your friends. Get on the bus. It's like a very physical marker to say, hey, we're going somewhere, we're going to a task, we're going to a safe place, we're going to where friends are. So I, I've kind of grown to to like it a bit more now, even though it costs so much money.
0: Definitely. Well, when it comes down to the cost of this stuff, because like, a lot of people can come up with ideas and a lot of people can think this would be great, but it's really tough to actually make it work, which is what is amazing about what you guys are doing. Cause you're finding ways to make it work. Um, Mm -hmm. what has been like the biggest, uh, like breaking or just like when it comes to trying to make something work, there comes a time when finally you have a win and it's like, yes, we finally like this actually worked. Like what was that for you in like coming up with fundraising and coming up with partnerships and, and sponsors and stuff like that?
1: Uh, well, we, we, the, the, well, like maybe I'll come at it from different lenses. Like start with the, the fundraising side, because people are always wondering about like, how do we pay for this thing? Um, so we've been very fortunate to have a really great relationship with Jumpstart, Jumpstart, which is uh, the charitable wing of Canadian Tire, and that group of companies. And uh, they've been a huge backer of what we're doing for nearly 10 years now, long time, long time, and have invested a ton of money to make it happen because they have the foresight to see like these these are these grassroots style of programs that will make a generational impact and kudos to them for seeing it 10 years ago and, and like honestly doubling down into it like really hard. So a good chunk of money comes from there. And then um, we've been doing a lot better with grants lately especially at like the provincial and federal level. Um, I know there's lots of debate about politics of at the provincial and federal level but um, for us in the in the short term anyways we've managed to really work with some good ministers and good departments to have them hear the challenges and step up with the funds to make it happen. Again, I'm not getting rich from doing this, and they recognize that too, um, but they're plugging all the whole, the funding holes. Uh, and then on top of that, we um, we have a really great base of people who believe in the program and believe in the kids and believe in the families and have been willing to open their own wallets quite a lot like very regularly so the funding side like at the brief moment in time we're like okay i'm not like on fire like chasing money around which is a night which is a a big win going back to your point is a big win of like oh i'm gonna pay for this thing like we've managed to to do okay. And then also the federal wage subsidies. Not sure if how many people listening to this access those, but have been also tremendous about supporting our organization, have actually allowed us to scale up a tiny bit to add a few more people in to, to do direct client service work. So um yeah, those those the foresight there with the federal government of creating a wage subsidy has been massive. So yeah, they're they're looking at those like bigger picture wins, like having some form of funding stability. We're not <laughs> not saying we're there, but we're like on a good step to getting there, which is nice. Um, so that's a big moment for me. And then I would say like another big moment for me organizationally is just like witnessing how many of the people can speak my language. You know, that, that's a weird one. It's a very weird one to hear a child say something back to you that you said to... Someone on your on your team, super weird, like a mind blowing experience. Like, oh yeah, oh I got landed and it resonated, and those kids are now taking it to their home and to their community, and so those kind of personal wins feel pretty good too.
0: Definitely, I mean, I can relate. There, it's every so often I kind of think I'm speaking to like an empty room, and then I kind of hear something come back. I'm like, wow, like cool. Um, another aspect of what you guys are doing, I, I really like the whole talk about like nutrition and stuff like that. Um, how did that come to be and what supports it the most?
1: Yeah. So that came to be out of the height of the pandemic when we, we turned the valve off on all of our programming as pretty much everyone did because everyone was terrified and didn't know what to do. So we turned it completely off. Um, and that happened at the same time as we were about to launch our big, uh, outdoor soccer season which had 128 teams ready to play so everyone was registered and um then this pandemic hits and then our my email box just lights up with people saying i'm of work now i have no money i have no food and then this food thing just kept coming back and back and back and then that was doubled even further by parents saying i'm not my kids aren't in school school's closed the breakfast and lunch programs are shut down so now not only do i have no food at home but i'm not getting any from like, school so like that became very loud and just got to the point where we couldn't ignore it and so we flipped actually really fast in about a week we started flipping over to um, provide food and so we ended up making a partnership with uber and uber would pick up the food we would bring all the food to the soccer center um, dev- uh, divide it all up into boxes for families and then we would create these mapping routes with Uber and Uber would actually deliver the food to these families door for free. Amazing. So we were reaching about 150 families a week which was incredible and you know five people in a household or so sort of like 750 people a week of, of food. It was pretty, pretty amazing um, and then we got a bit more comfortable with what was going on with COVID and all this stuff and brought programming back and realized that like how much we need to incorporate the food piece and not just like the supply of food, but the nutritional literacy. So kids can like understand a little bit about um, not the carbs and the protein and all that garbage, but just, this is food. This is how you make it. This is what's generally kind of healthy. This is not so healthy. You know, like just keep it super simple. And so uh Diana, uh who runs our food program and actually played in the program as a kid uh, and then became one of our main coaches last year um she's taken over running this food program and just done a really fantastic job of streamlining recipes to be so simple and so basic and then teaches the kids when they come to the center they get taught one time a week on how to make the things in their bag they actually watch diana do it and do it with her and then they go home with the food and again that was just another kind of recognizing of like, man, there's so many privileges built in of like, no one's ever talked to you about this stuff. Um, you forget, like, you just forget like you and I, we have lots of access to this information and I had a lot of access to it as a kid too. But if you don't have that, like, how would you know how to eat something or make something healthy and and then throw into the equation? Like we have no money. So the nutrition piece, I think, I hope, <laughs> quite frankly, that's where most of our gross growth, growth will happen in the next year or so is I would love, like, love to get us into a space where we have a commercial kitchen where we can actually like teach them how to like use knives and, you know, use an oven and, um, uh, get into a little bit more beyond assembly. Cause right now what we mainly do is recipes that are assembly based. You don't really have to do anything. Just take the stuff and put them together. And that makes a dish. Awesome. Which is a good first step, but I'd love to see it progress a little bit further.
0: Definitely. And I mean, there's going to be so much benefit from having that empowerment, like as, as a young kid, being able to be like, now this is how I take control. Like when, when things are out of my control and the world isn't so good, this is how I kind of can yep. make a, a bright light in, in a dark time. And it's yep. just like that is so like we don't realize how much of an impact that that can make unless we've experienced it. And you kind of, you you talked about how impactful coaches have been on you. You've talked about sport for you. And I know that when I did my research prior to this, it was like you, you spoke very strongly about how, like in regards to mental health and just like your ability to like be where you are today. It's been very closely tied with, with fitness and everything like that. Um, do you like plan for, for growth going forwards with, with the organization? Like, do you have like uh, a way to track your goals or do you have like a big vision board? Like, what's that like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have a board of directors as well who are my bosses. Um, that's kind of a weird word for them, but that's technically, I guess what they are um so there's 13 folks and we work together on building a strategic plan for the organization and then as a staffing unit uh, we then take that and turn it into a business plan to operationalize it so our strategic plan for the next little while is um really delved around um i should pull it up but it's focused primarily around um one is access, is creating many different places of access, uh, which is a huge one for us. And then number two is a big one around like the the care. So uh, there are pieces of access where you can just come and be part of the program a day, a week, but then that care piece where you can be there every day. But we realize as an organization, we can't fund everyone to come every day. I wish we could, and hopefully we'll get there like, no joke, I hope we do get to there that every kid who wanted to come every day could. But at the moment that costs a lot, if you think again about a, a bus alone being $195 and then the field 115 and then all the staff, right? It's just astronomical cost. So yeah, there's the access piece, then there's the cares piece. And then there's a really hot, hot, strong piece on leadership development and like us doubling down on leadership development. Um, Right now we have a pathway. I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but we have a a leadership pathway. So after you you can play up until grade six and all the the base programming, once you hit grade seven, you get to choose which sport you'd prefer to like learn more about in grade seven, eight, nine, you learn how to be an accredited certified referee in that sport. And then when normal life is going, you would be the ref of our little kiddo games. And then grade 10, 11, 12, you learn how to be a coach and get accredited certified coach in that sport and then you become a coach of the program and then hopefully move into staff but what we're going to work on really hard in the near future is growing the number of those kids that participate in that program as well as not having a gap on the next step because the gap on the next step is going to post-secondary college and university Um, so our board um, is creating a scholarship uh, to fund at least one of our kids fully per year to attend school. And then part of that scholarship will also be to give them a mentor to help guide them through the whole process. Cause that's been a big recognition of starting into this space. Is like, there's a lot of scholarships out there, which we can align to support some kids, but they also just need like someone with them to help step them through that. So that's the leadership piece on our strategic side. And then, uh, I guess one of the other big pieces is um facility space we will be like uh looking to build or acquire or something um facility space really soon here because it's it's a big pressure of ours when you can't control the facility that you're in and you're like at the mercy of a booking um it's tough it's very tough to create sustainable programs and just to be around for a long time So that's another huge part of the strategic plan. And then I'm missing the fifth one for some reason, but that kind of gives you a direction of like, yes, we lock down on these things. We spend a lot of time delving into the strategic planning, uh, get the board to be part of that and then to sign off on it. And then we come back as a staffing group to make the business and operational plan to deliver it.
0: Definitely. And I mean, it's really cool how you're growing from within, like you're, you're giving mm-hmm. kids like, like a roadmap or like a, yeah. a road, like just the ability to see who they could be. And then they get to see someone do it ahead of them. Like maybe their their buddy who's like four years older or something. And all of a sudden he's the referee and he's the coach. He's the the staff member and it gives people thing people to like aspire to, or like, um, like it's hard to dream big if you don't see it in existence already, which would have been one of the biggest fears for you. I can imagine of going into this whole thing full time. Cause like, if you're not seeing it existing, do you know if it's going to happen? Do you know if it's going to work? But like, I mean, looking back, do you have any regrets in, in hopping into this all full time and putting everything into it?
1: No, I don't. No, I don't think so. the The question that I got asked a while ago was, um, we kind of went like huge program access, and then kind of went came back to really hard on quality. The beginning, I was just like, I all I want to do is make it so a kid has a ball at their feet and they can kick it with other kids. That's it. That's all I cared about. And then, okay, how many more can I do that for? And I got ginormous, right? There was scheduled to be 128 teams playing in our last outdoor season pre-COVID that's a lot of kids playing soccer um and now we're as i mentioned to you like really diving into the quality piece of coming every day making sure it's a safe space and place where you can belong and be part of a community working on the social emotional learning and mental health piece <clears throat> which that doesn't exist in the big scale so that that's the only place where I kind of struggle back and forth of when you when I get asked that question of of any regrets is like was it good to perfect the model and then make it bigger or create this big thing of what access and then perfect the access I don't know.
0: There's no right answer really when it comes <laughs> I don't think to there's it. a
1: right answer on it either. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but it's it's cool to to hear your vulnerability with it and just the sense that like you don't know if you did it the perfect way or like the ideal way, but you did it and here you are. Yep. And now these kids have this opportunity and you're not willing to just like leave it as is. You're refining it. You're open to feedback. You're involving more people. If you don't know the answers, you get people who do kind of thing. Like, and that's with regards to like the life experience, like the the human experience. When, when you gather humans with diverse backgrounds, then you're able to reach, a diverse community in a way that connects and inspires and helps people live healthy lives in sustainable ways where they don't come across these roadblocks. And like, what do we do? Like they, yeah. they know, cause they, they have, there's going to be so many kids that go out into the world that think I remember that coach and how they impacted me. I think that's something a lot of trainers can speak to. It's something I can speak to, you can speak to, and that's yeah. a really powerful gift to, to impart on kids um there's a question that i ask actually a couple questions that i ask all of my guests to kind of like bring things in and kind of see how everybody is different and how people are the same and the first question is is if you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way what would that piece of advice be
1: that's a deep one that's a good one um Hmm, maybe, don't be afraid to go for it. Um, like so many of us are terrified of just going for it. Oh, I gotta have everything perfect before I do it. And like, that's where I've, I th- again think I've managed to succeed a bit is like, I, I really don't care about failing um and so someone my friend said that to me a better way you learned you didn't fall down you learned and then you learned some more and then you learned some more and then you learned some more so in other languages you failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed whatever no i i and i try to say it now when i talk to people around me as oh that didn't go well well what did we learn cool what are we gonna do now cool like and that's the environment I guess I tried to really create at work which again works well for some and not for others Um, it's hard to live in in those spaces where it's like you know you just want the ROI like you just want the returnable like what do I say ROI to die till you die like you just want those metrics that's all you can live by is metrics 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 Uh, and that's the place where you'll never take a risk in my mind
0: Risk taking is important. Like it. What's the
1: worst thing that's gonna happen? Yeah. Just try it. Who cares? Try it. Just give it a try. Like, don't be afraid of, of of learning something. Exactly. Um, yeah.
0: So then the second okay. part of this will kind of put you on on your toes a bit. It's gonna keep you guessing again. And don't overthink yep. this too much. But it's going okay. to be you're gonna put a challenge out to my audience, and that challenge is it's just gonna be any challenge you want it to be. Um, but the the hope is that it'll bring the uniqueness of you into them and instill something powerful or something moving or something that would make their life better. So essentially all you have to do is be like your challenge for the day is, and then just put it out into the universe.
1: Your challenge for the day is to meet someone who doesn't look like you.
0: That's perfect. That is something that I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, Can you expand a bit more about how that's played a role in your life and how, how things have unfolded with, uh, with doing that?
1: Yeah, I guess I just, I believe a, a great deal in the difference between equality and equity. And I feel like, we all have a really big role in in creating equity in this universe and how it will be good for for everyone. Um, and there's a few of us that I think unfortunately hold the keys a little bit more than others. And uh, I think there's a few people who are now recognizing that they hold those keys and that we we need to do work harder to make sure that other people are not at just at the table, but have a voice there and those voices matter and can make change. Um, so I, I'm I'm trying my hardest to be very deliberate on this with, with our organization of really promoting leaders from all different backgrounds, and then also trying to not judge too hard when they make mistakes. That's just any leader, but also recognize that some folks because of access and privilege have not been around leadership before. So then to expect them to be a leader is a pretty big mind warp. Right. So um, I think it's really important that we all get out of our comfort zones and I know it's hard with COVID, but it's not really that hard. You just do it like this, just
0: yeah.
1: meet someone who doesn't look like you when meet someone who's, you know different than you meet someone who's a conservative or a liberal like go for it like what are you going to lose by just having a meeting with someone who thinks different with you or looks different than you
0: absolutely yeah
1: you potential to either maybe double down on your biases i guess if you or or you could maybe have the the tiny moment where you might hear something that makes you recognize that we're all human and we all make mistakes and we all deserve chances so um it's the same with uh, with on a much lower level of consuming content. I think we should all work hard to consume content outside of our algorithm and our bubble. You know, like if you consider yourself a very liberal minded person, read conservative material, understand it, it's important. And likewise, if you are a very conservative minded person, read some liberal material, (laughs) like it's good for you. Yeah. We're not all crazy. Not not just because you're one or the other doesn't mean you're crazy. And there's you can learn so much about that shared space we have if you just like allow a few more people in your life.
0: Definitely. Completely agree. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on the show and having this great conversation. Um if people want to learn more about uh, free play, where where would you send them?
1: Yeah. Um, please just go to the website. It's freeplayforkids.com or you can find us on pretty much all the social media channels and just feel free to send us a message and um, ask questions. Perfect.
0: Thank you so much.